0: welcome to the weekly Bundaberg Now podcast. I'm Dana McGackers from Bundaberg Regional Council. Today we have another interesting program with news and information from across the Bundaberg region. Soon we'll hear about what's happening in the events and gallery spaces, learn more about the Cochrane Artificial Reef and discover the Alloway Farm Markets. But first here's Michael Gorrie with the news headlines.
1: Thank you Dana. Making news this week, Bundaberg Regional Council is encouraging residents to nominate mobile phone black spots to help improve coverage. Mayor Jack Dempsey says residents can help to identify problem areas. Nominations under the Federal Government Program close on 24th of July. New sensors will provide important data to help model floodwaters in urban creeks and tidal irrigation channels. A dozen gauges have been placed around the Bundaberg region. Roads and Drainage Portfolio spokesman Bill Trevor says they will give council more visibility over what's happening around stormwater drains to manage localised flooding. Visitors are flocking to the Bundaberg region during school holidays now that many travel restrictions have been eased, providing a much-needed boost for local business and tourism operators. Here is Catherine Reid, CEO of Bundaberg Tourism.
0: The Bundaberg region is the perfect holiday destination. We've definitely had an increase across the region in inquiries for accommodation and our tours and attractions. After the announcement of the, the borders opening, especially from New South Wales, we saw a spike on our website um, looking at accommodation, looking at things to do and see around the region and also exploring what events were available um, over the next six months.
1: Sports fans are also getting back to normal Bundaberg Indoor Sports Centre will reopen next week for netball, cricket, softball and more. Owner Colin Canest says the centre underwent extensive renovations during the COVID lockdown. At the moment we're in the process of redoing our courts and nets. We had these works in our plans to actually do this time of the year anyway but um, we are actually already closed for two weeks right over that time but we, since COVID happened we brought a few fingers forward and got stuff started earlier. The government restrictions have lifted now since last Friday but we're not quite ready to open yet so we're looking at opening on the 13th of July. We've got a new, um, kitchen upstairs which is almost ready to be fully open as well. Our sports are here is pretty much five nights a week. We do ladies netball, mixed netball, indoor cricket and junior sports as well. For more local news visit Bunderbergnow.com. Back to you Dana.
0: Thanks Michael. Now I'll hand it over to sue Ann Chapman from Events.
2: Hello, this is sue the Tourism and Events Manager with Bundaberg Regional Council, and today I have a very special guest with me. It is Heidi Mason. Welcome, Heidi.
3: Thank you for having
2: me. Now, Heidi is uh, the team leader of the events portfolio here at Bundaberg Regional Council. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Heidi's journey, how she got to this role, and also all about events in our region and uh, what's been and, and what's coming up. So so Heidi, tell us a bit about yourself. How did you end up looking after this fabulous events portfolio?
3: Well, I um, started in council 24 years ago. I actually started as a library assistant and have really worked my way into events. Um, I've held a number of roles in council, um, but primarily starting as an executive assistant um, back in our community services branch. Before we had a formalised events unit, Um, we used to do a number of different events. Um, People might remember Local Government Week, Um, And that really gave me the experience that I needed from an events perspective. And I also looked after um, a lot of the financial um, programs around grants and sponsorships.
2: Fantastic. So what do you think is the best bit of your job? Can you narrow it down to one thing?
3: Oh, I think always working with community um, is the best bit. We've you know got some great relationships with our um, community members, our storeholders, um, and our, even our contractors. We um, all work really well together to um, deliver positive events for the community.
2: That's wonderful. Uh, another tough question. Do you have a favourite event? Oh, look, um, Taste Bundaberg would have to be my favourite event. Um,
3: Anyone who knows me knows that I love food, so you can't go past that one.
2: Fantastic. Now, looking to the future, events uh, in the age of COVID, um, our industry has been decimated as with tourism and arts and culture, and we're starting to see a little glimmer of light with our uh, state government Roadmap to Recovery Uh, do you feel optimistic about the future or, you know, do you want to let us know what the events team is working on as far as the next six, 12 months?
3: Yeah, we um, have been quietly, I guess, after sitting on our bums and feeling sorry for ourselves for a little while, um, we've been talking and chatting and um, talking to counterparts at other councils and um, have a number of ideas that we're quietly putting um, into play in the background to give the region a number of events that they can come to um, but also feel safe and comply with the state government restrictions.
2: Fantastic thank you for joining us today Heidi and uh, yeah we look forward to seeing what those
0: events uh, evolve over the next few months. It's my pleasure. Thank you ladies. We're now going to hear from Rebecca McDuff our gallery curator who's going to introduce an interesting new exhibition to us.
4: On the Friday, the 28th of August, galleries are excited to be reopening across the region. At our Childers Art Space, located on Churchill Street in Childers, we're reopening with an exhibition that is in response to the COVID crisis that we've all faced. This exhibition, titled Art as an Act of Optimism, is about the wonderful response that artists have had during this difficult time. This has been a time when the flexibility and the creative approach to life has seen people blossom despite the difficult circumstances they've been living in. The gallery was able to react really quickly when the COVID crisis struck and turn a lot of its programming into a digital platform. One of the great things that happened during this time was the Daily Art Challenge. This was pretty much the work of our marketing officer, Tony Shu. and every day Tony set a challenge for artists, professional, non-professional, amateur, across the region, actually across the country, to be part of this challenge. We had responses from our regional artists, artists from across the state, artists from across the country, even some international artists responded. So what Tony did was she would set a word each day, simple word, vintage, dog, tea, It could be anything, and the artists had to respond in whatever way they did. What was great to see was the breadth of responses that came in with this exhibition. So artists were able to do drawings, they shared art journals. We had this amazing artist that made me laugh all the time called Rob Andrews and he made these fantastic little daily vignettes that were all about the challenge that we'd set. There were digital films that were made. Um, I really enjoyed watching Emma Thorpe. Emma is an artist from Harvey Bay and she would put up these really interesting digital films every day in response to the challenge. And so we also saw our artists Sue Hutton, Jenny McDuff, we also saw Adrian Williams, Julie Highlands, Debbie Bennett, lots of people like this who just daily would respond in their own arts practice to the challenge that we'd put up. We've ended up with thousands of images under the hashtag Arts Bundy at Home on Instagram and Facebook and so this Art as an Act of Optimism exhibition is actually about those images that we received. So what we want to do is collate an exhibition that's joyful, that brings a smile, that shows that in the midst of adversity, art can flourish and it can blossom and it can actually bring a smile. There'll be examples of the Instagram posts. Some of the digital films will be showed. There'll actually be some of the actual artworks that were created during the COVID lockdown that we're actually going to be showing in this exhibition as well. So it's going to be a real mixture, but it's going to be also a little bit of a sneak inside people's homes because I don't know whether you're like me, but I noticed during COVID, we suddenly got to see people in their own environments and to see artists in their own studios or environments is particularly exciting for me. So I really enjoyed that part of the Arts Bundy at Home Challenge and that's what we really want to bring forth in this exhibition so it's going to be something a little bit different to what we normally show it won't all be professional artists or late stage career artists or anything like that will actually be everyday people that have created works for us so some of them even children's works and it really is a celebratory exhibition for where we're at now coming out slowly from the tunnel of covid also in this exhibition will be a pod in which people can record stories for the Space Between project that was launched by Arts Bundaberg. This project is about looking at what happens in social isolation, that when it's a time of such historical importance, we need to tell our stories and we're asking people to tell theirs. The thoughts and words shared at this time will be treated with utmost care, but it's a way that we can start to talk about what does the space between now and then look like? So these stories will be recorded in this pod during the exhibition and they then later will actually possibly become works that are used in exhibitions or plays or other arts outcomes that um, will be produced by the Arts Bundaberg team. So this is also a great interactive element and um, to this exhibition. So really excited to be welcoming people to Art as an Act of Optimism at our Childers Art Space from Friday the 28th of August. And look forward to chatting next time. Bye. Thank you for that, Rebecca.
0: Now, here's Paul Donaldson with more on the Cochrane Artificial Reef that we heard about last week.
1: What was the first item that started the reef and how did it feel to get that first item in place on the seabed?
5: We were numb and ecstatic, if you can believe the two. Um, We wanted something first up that would be, Very, very interesting to uh, spear type divers. We didn't want spearing on there, Uh, but we wanted scuba divers. We wanted recreational divers to see something interesting on the bottom. So we acquired, through Smith's Premix, their gravel dredge off Tomato Island. And 350 tonne, we had to explode ordinances in it to blow the bottom out. and it was
6: absolutely fantastic. Um, it, it, for a first experience, it was very overwhelming because we started the day at about five o'clock, oh, no, well and by are. the time we went down the river and down the coast towing this thing, and it all happened. I think we got back about ten o'clock at night, back to mm. about, you know the Burnet Bridge. It was we were absolutely worn out with, with just the adrenaline rush and. But that was the first thing. Our big dredge from Smith's Premix, and and, and Smith Premix, and a lot of the a lot, a lot of the local a businesses. lot of the businesses in town, even though they couldn't help us with money donations, lent us
5: equipment, with trucks,
6: loads of backup
5: um, oxy gear, yeah.
6: welders, yeah. in kind donations. It was absolutely fabulous.
1: Now I've sat in the aircraft down there many times. Lots of fun. How exciting was it, and and what was the response from divers once you got those planes down?
5: The response from divers was absolutely fantastic. The aircraft came through.
6: We got a phone call to say that mm, Majestic Airlines had had gone gone broke, broke. and they had two aircraft. They had three, actually. And so Mm. they asked us if we'd like to put in a quote, you know, a tender. To buy them. So we we hurriedly called a committee meeting, and I think some of the committee members thought we were a bit mad. Um, So we offered Mm. $1,000 each. But by the time we took all the rivets and all the the stuff that we could salvage off, we got that $1,000 back anyway. For each aircraft. In all the stuff that we took off it. So then it was a challenge to get them down to the coast.
5: That's correct. We had to cut the wings off, unfortunately, to get past... Signs on the way down, Uh, we had trucks lent to us, low loaders, uh, cranes to lift them on, lift them off, to get down to Elliot Heads, where people still go to the artificial reef. And looking at them on the bottom, and I've sat in the cockpit so many times and played pilot, as everyone does when they go there, Uh, I had one very good experience with a girl who went down with me and we sat in the cockpit, co-pilot and pilot's uh, seat with the one joystick left between us. And uh, I kept trying to pull her away from the window and the vice chairman of our committee, Roger Cowell, was outside trying to take a photo. And I kept pulling her away and she couldn't understand why I was pulling her away. But she was going to kneel on a stonefish in the cockpit. So... We had a few words underwater. <laughs> uh, the whole thing with the doors off it, um, the windows taken out, etc. they end up being called A and B. Uh, and in the end, because we're Alan and Brenda, uh, one got called Alan and one got called Brenda.
6: And Brenda was always the one with the best
5: fish. You have to be smart, <laughs> don't you, even on the film.
6: Apparently, apparently the way it landed, it was in the right position for the currents to go through it and I got the best orientation. And you swim up
5: to Brenda's <laughs> rear hatch and there'd be a mangrove jack that long just sitting, lying, hovering inside with his big fangs sticking out. <laughs> <What gasps> wonderful. And... It, there's a, a rubble trail between the two uh, A and B, uh, and ironically enough, if people dive at the rubble trail in winter, can have many snapper on it because they like that rubbly bottom. So it it was they were beautifully received. We floated them out, which was a major project in itself with our hearts and um that they would make it out there and not end up on the bottom prematurely. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the divers who have dived it, and we've had a couple who could free dive it, and that's what, 73 feet ranges in the old
6: uh, eighty, 80 metres. 80 yeah. uh,
5: and the, the, the fish life is, sometimes I have had to, when I want to take a photo, uh, or of a, a fellow underwater, like a photo of Julian that we've shown you, and I used to have to hold the camera and then go, whoosh, and that used to the yellowtail scad would be there by the thousands and thousands. So yeah, that was one way. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I forgot to say before that the uh, the first ship we sank, appropriately, was called Ceratidus and of course Ceratidus
6: is a Burnett River
5: Lundfish. Lundfish. So yeah. another <laughs> tie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and finally, today, here's the story behind the Allaway Farm Markets.
7: Allaway Farm Market started about five or six years ago, with the purpose of supporting local farmers, helping them get rid of their seconds and thirds produce. As farmers ourselves, we know that type of produce is skin blemish. Internally, the fruit is still just as delicious, if not better, um, as it can be a bit riper. Um, so that was a, just an outlet for our local area to start with. As the years went on, business increased. Um, we expanded to Bundaberg and Surrounds. And then just over the time, we've just increased. We've uh, added coffee. We've got an espresso machine now. Tom from Barking Dog Coffee um, is now uh, roasting his coffee out here. Uh, so yeah, just over time, just keep adding things like that. As for Redridge Produce, um, I'm third generation there. Uh, We've been operating for close to 30 years now, moving out of small crop farming into greenhouse farming uh, in the early 2000s and uh, moving to figs um, in late 2000, into 2007-2008. And that's our main focus today. certainly trying to learn the fig crop better as it was very new to us and learn how to extend its season as well so we are now picking 365 days a year. That was just in, in time um, we just decided that we could go to the uh, the next level I guess or uh, we'll add something different so yeah we decided to start making our own jams, sauces, relishes mainly starting with just our fig products and cherry tomatoes. Um, we'll make a tomato sauce out of them. Moving on from that too then we started with uh, making homemade biscuits and stuff like that using our Yeah our fam- family recipes um, that we loved growing up or I loved growing up as a kid as well um, as well as my parents when they were growing up so just stocking uh, our produce all our produce as well um, with our avocados and our figs um, and also supporting uh, other local businesses not just farm or farmers in a way but bakers and um, butcheries and stuff like that as well so just trying to find you know get through as many local businesses in- involved in our, our business um, is-, is the main key there so. yeah just we just let, let the uh, demand take us where, where it needs to go. So at the moment that's our main focus is just increase our food, our food production probably. As a business, uh, really well, um, especially with having a fresh produce market uh, as we are a pretty large fruit bowl um, for Australia and the world. Having a lot of um, local produce, uh, a lot of different variety of local produce available all year round um, really helps... Uh, having us a nice, consistent stock uh, and being able to showcase a lot of the local um, region's flavours off too, I guess.
0: That's all for today. We hope you enjoyed the program. Join us next week for more news and stories from the wonderful Bundaberg region. Bye for now.